0: hey everybody happy new year happy 2022 and welcome to season three of my cancer story podcast wow i can't believe it's already season three i have a really exciting season set up for you guys uh it's gonna have lots of good good interviews Uh, Good cancer survivor stories, good stories about foundations, doctors, giving it a little bit more of a twist. You guys will see what's coming down the pipeline. But please, please make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you know when a new episode comes out. We are now doing episodes releasing every other Monday. So make sure to be on a lookout for every other Monday. And without further ado, you're going to hear the intro for our next episode, which is today, Monday. So uh, please enjoy this upcoming episode and this upcoming season. Thank you again so much for listening and being a loyal, loyal listener to my Cancer Story podcast. All right, everybody. Season three, episode one today you are going to hear a cervical cancer story. You're meeting Erin Boffman today, cervical cancer survivor. She's also involved with CCAP across the map. You'll have to forgive me at the beginning of the intro of the episode. I was saying it incorrectly. It is CCAP across the map, not CCAP across the map. I apologize, guys. Uh, You're going to hear Erin's cancer story, cancer journey how she evolved into becoming a part of c Across the Map. And um, she also talks about how January Cervical Cancer Awareness Month, how she turned her experiences as a patient into a passion for prevention and awareness in her career. So you guys are going to love meeting Erin. She is a delight to have on a wonderful young lady. She is going to educate us on a lot of things, including getting those pap smears regularly, um, But please, please listen to the entire episode in its entirety, as well as check out the episode notes below so you can learn more about CCAP Across the Map and how to contact them, donate, whatever you can do. Please enjoy episode number one, season three. Excellent. Well, Erin, thank you so much for being here for first episode of season three for my cancer story podcast. Thank you, Jess. I'm so glad to be here. Oh my gosh. It's a pleasure. And as I mentioned in my intro, Erin is a cervical cancer survivor and also involved in a group called CCAP Across the Map. So uh, she initially reached out to me through Instagram and wanted to share her story and what she's been doing with her her cancer journey through a CCAP. So, um, once again, welcome. And I can't wait to hear your story as well as hear about what you're doing. So usually I let you go ahead with your cancer story and then we'll get into CCAP. So it'll be great. Absolutely. So, Absolutely.
1: so my story, uh, starts off. I think everybody's is unique, of course, mm-hmm. but I have worked in and around healthcare for seven years Uh, So I've had lots of different experiences and I've been in the city in Louisville, Kentucky. So I have always felt really lucky and really fortunate to be in an area where there is so much in the way of healthcare. There are so many opportunities. There are so many huge hospital systems and academic health systems that are here. Like you can find any specialist that you need here in Louisville and people travel really far to come see doctors here. And I've always felt really lucky and blessed to be in this area. Um, I grew up across the river in a small town in Indiana and anytime anybody needed to Go to the doctor, it was oh well, you better go to Louisville. Yeah, I go with the study. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. so, so I've always felt really lucky and really fortunate to be part of that health system. Um, but my journey was not as lucky and fortunate as I would have expected being in the area. So I got a call after my annual pap smear right after I turned 24 and, uh, the doctor said, you know, we need you to come back in the pap smear was abnormal and we need to do some biopsies. So I immediately freak out. I'm panicked. (laughs) Um, Nobody likes going to the OBGYN anyway. Um, but I called my mom, she drove me. I was like, we're going to, we're going to just do these biopsies. And when I went in, it actually, they did what's called, um, They did basically VIA, which is a visual inspection aid. So they put a vinegar type solution on the cervix and just take a better look with a light. And any areas that are bad usually light up. So the doctor said, you know, these readings can happen sometimes. We're going to take a look at everything first and then we'll biopsy if we need to. So the issue was that my cervix lit up like Christmas morning and he said, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to biopsy the three largest areas. And. Understand that you aren't asleep when they do these biopsies and they do not numb for these biopsies. Uh, you are awake and you are there and you are feeling it. And my mother was with me and she is so wonderful. Anybody would be lucky to have my mom, but she just stays so calm and she's never had anything like this. Like yeah. she has never had any issues. She even says she'd rather go to the OBGYN than the dentist. She has no <laughs> problems. Um, so to have her there with me was just really comforting and very fortunate because it was right before covid. Oh
0: um, god, yeah.
1: So then they called me back in and they did a leap. So a leap they basically take the inner quarter of your cervix and they burn all the edges. It's like cauterizing it.
0: Okay. Just
1: so that um if there are any bad cells left over, it burns them. Okay. Essentially. So they did that biopsy procedure and it came back with negative margins, which means that the furthest in to the cervix was clean. There were no bad cells, which okay. is typically a good thing. It means they got it all. Okay. Um, however, um, I went back about six months later for a follow-up. They didn't want me to wait a full year and that one came back abnormal mm. and the cells were worse. Um, and so what we did that time was, uh, biopsies again, And then we scheduled a cold knife conization, where they take half of what's left of the cervix and they take it in a cone shape um, to get a lot more of the outside. So it basically takes off the whole part that they can see during your pap smears and then back. Um, So they did that one. And again, got negative margins and my doctor went through and burned the rest of the tissue. And at this point we are well into COVID. So when I was in that OR, my mom actually did not get to go back with me. She had to sit out in the car, which was okay. And I did get to go home that day. It was awesome. Um, but they said, we're going to follow up in three months just because this is really, really aggressive. Um, and I had another conversation with my doctor at that point where I found out that, um, I had been going to the OVGYN since I was 18 or 19, um, cause I'd always had some weird hormonal issues. Um, and it turns out that every pap smear I had ever had had been abnormal and I was not informed. What? Uh, so there are certain state guidelines and things, um, in place, but typically an abnormal pap smear is not a red flag until mid twenties. So like I said, I found out right after my 24th birthday, that yeah. all of my pap smears had been abnormal all along. And I did not know that, which kind of started me, <laughs> it was very, it took my breath away for sure.
0: Um,
1: yeah. I'm dumbfounded young, right now.
0: I'm like, what? what?
1: <laughs> like, wouldn't like
0: a trend like that every year or every six months, whenever you go to get your an- annual, you get your annual, like, right. oh, it's still abnormal. Shouldn't we just like? Look at this,
1: right? So just maybe take a <laughs> yeah, uh, but I guess with um, but t- tissue that area where they're swabbing in the cervix is changing really rapidly in your late teens and early 20s, so a lot of times that's what pulls abnormal pap smears. And because I've always had hormonal issues, that mm-hmm. could trigger those abnormal things as well, it could be just <sighs> the tissues who knows? I was furious. <laughs> yeah. I would have been too. Like seriously, I was... what the
0: actual fuck?
1: <laughs> right, exactly. I was so upset. Um, so at this point I am 25, um, COVID is in full swing mm-hmm. and we go back three months later and get another abnormal reading. And at this point the doctor calls me and says, I have to send you to kind of to oncology. Like you have to go to oncology at this point because um, cervical cancer is typically a slower cancer. It doesn't develop really quickly um, from the onset of cervical cancer. Like a lot of times people will live with it for a decade before anything is diagnosed. Right. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you, they can go a long time, um, it's usually just a slower moving cancer. Um, but mine was not, it was aggressive and it was, um, working really fast to destroy me. So I was so excited to meet with the first oncologist. Um, he worked in the same healthcare um system that I did. And he was a pioneer in robotic surgery. Um, just an incredible surgeon. He has so much published and he has done so many things for so many people. I was so excited to meet with him until the day that it happened. Um, it was my mom got to be with me because okay. it was with oncology. Fortunately, um, there was an exception for oncology patients that they could have someone with them. Um, but he said you are 25 years old, unmarried, and you have no children. I am not doing this operation. And I said, with all due respect, I have a mortgage. (laughs) Like I can make these kinds of decisions. Yeah. you know, I have a mortgage. I said, my mom's here. She can give parental consent if needed. Um, but he said, he refused. He said, I will not do this operation for you. You are too young. He said, if you had two or three kids and a husband, maybe he said, maybe it would be okay. He said, but no, he said, you're 25 years old. I'm not doing the surgery. Um, he said, come back in six months. We'll make sure it hasn't spread to your uterus. Um, what? I was
0: uh, devastated. You know, let's 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 like play our cards and like see if it spreads. No, and you won't do this because of my age and my marital status. Yes, oh, um, that's really disappointing.
1: It was really frustrating, and especially because I had grown up with this. Oh, I'm in Louisville. I'm in this city. You mm-hmm. know, healthcare like has advanced so much. And I had done a lot of research on cervical cancer at this point. I had gone through all of, um, like, you know, the academic libraries and research as a student, like I had access- med all that good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> I was able to do a lot of research and I learned a lot about Henrietta Lacks and the Gila cells and stuff like that. And like how so many women have died because this just wasn't being diagnosed. And there are other places all around the world that they don't even do pap smears. Like there's so much that I still want to think I'm so lucky that they found this, but I like, still couldn't get the treatment because of my age. Yeah. And another frustrating I have a brother-in-law at 21 who was able to go get a vasectomy because they didn't want any more children and there were no questions asked. There were no health concerns, but he could go and get that. Mm-hmm. Um and everybody should be able to make that decision. Yeah. So I met with another oncologist with a different healthcare system um and she was wonderful. Um she answered all of the questions that my mom and I both had, again, mom was able to be there with me and she answered all of our questions. She did a really thorough exam and she said, we are scheduling surgery before you leave today. And I said, okay. And then she also put me on a cancellation list. Um, and I ended up getting moved up also. So I met with her and had my surgery within two weeks.
0: Wow.
1: Uh, So at this point I feel like I've finally been heard. And I had also just finished both of my COVID vaccines because as a healthcare worker, I was able to get them. So I have both COVID vaccines and I'm going in for my hysterectomy. I felt completely invincible. I felt like nothing could touch me. Like I felt absolutely invincible. Um, And I've always been really independent. I've always, you know, been on my own. I work multiple jobs as a full-time student. And I just like, I felt on top of the world. Like someone finally heard me, mm-hmm. this is going to happen. And I'm never going to have another problem in my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I had the surgery. I did have to stay overnight. Mm-hmm. which was not a pleasant experience but it wouldn't be for anybody um you know a hospital stay during covid on an oncology floor is probably comparable to prison if I had to guess
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: I was supposed to say that kind of sounds terrifying it was not fun um, uh, but again mom did get to be with me that's really um, good So everything really worked out for us. And fortunately I had the most incredible team at work uh, who they were so understanding and I had only been in this position with them for five months at this point. So I didn't qualify for FMLA or anything like that, but they, they totally took care of me and they were so wonderful. And I'm still with this team to this day and want to be forever because they're just awesome. People were so great. And It's, it's great to have that support system even it like totally being so is. new
0: in that position too. Yeah. It
1: totally is. And it was a group, there were five of us total, all women and just, just so incredible and so helpful, um, again, in healthcare and the experience that I expected to have was the experience yeah. that we could provide for patients. Yeah. Um, but I got home from the hospital, um, and had to stay with my parents. I couldn't drive for two weeks. I couldn't get up and go to the bathroom by myself for the first few days. So as someone who lives alone, being um, independent. Right. Very independent. <laughs> um, I had to sleep in bed with my mom. So like my poor dad got kicked out to one of my siblings' beds. Um, my cat had to come stay with them. Like we we invaded and Fortunately, like I said, I am a full-time student and because COVID had hit, um, I was able to get ahead in a lot of my classes doing online schoolwork and my sister, her school was closed because of COVID. So she Mm -hmm. was also doing online school. So Mm -hmm. she kept me company. Her, my sister, Kate, she woke me up with coffee every morning and said, it's time for class. And we'd log in. And I mean, we really did make the best of the situation. Um, but the loss of independence was very difficult for me. Um, And just, I felt really defeated. I, in my head thought, you know, this isn't so bad. I can probably go back to work next week. And I was absolutely wrong. (laughs) My procedure was fully abdominal. um, And so I couldn't drive for two weeks then. I just would become exhausted so fast. Yeah. Um, everything just wore me out. But I, when they went in to do the procedure, they did find two lesions in my uterus as well. Oh. Like things had already progressed. Already
0: started moving. Yeah. Six right. months would have been a really good idea to wait.
1: Six <laughs> months would have been a little long. And yeah,
0: that's a major surgery. No wonder you, you were exhausted. And it, like yes. sure, like moving from the couch to bed was tough. So
1: it was, it was <sighs> just the loss of strength. And then yeah. when you don't move for so long, like your body kind of gets used to that, but I was able to return to work after four weeks instead of waiting the full six to eight, which was awesome. Um, I needed to be back in that environment with my team. It's just such an empowering environment. Um, and the other things that happened when I got home from the hospital was those first two weeks where I really couldn't do anything. I got an email from my part-time job. I worked at a little uh, tanning salon here in town and, uh, I just worked part-time with them just for fun, but they sent me an email saying that they had to terminate my employment because I did not qualify for FMLA and I was going to have to be off for more than three weeks. Um, and I had never been fired before. So I was devastated. I worked there maybe once every other week for a couple of hours, yeah, but it was but enough.
0: still it's, it's a pride. Like you pride it yourself was. in being a good worker, a hard worker and, I I get from your personality. Like I would have a really hard time with that too. Be like,
1: seriously, I I, I was frustrated. I got an email and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I'm upset at this point. I'm, I'm upset. I'm really worked up about it because I'm not working. I don't have anything distracting me. I'm really worked up. And it's maybe two days later that my long-term boyfriend texted me and said, you know what? I really want biological children. This is going to be a deal breaker. And Uh, so, (laughs) as someone who's always a text (laughs)
0: message,
1: (laughs) yes, and we, I mean, it was a long term situation, and I was like, you know, I okay, that's (sighs) fine, like, absolutely, I want him to be happy, absolutely, if that's what he needs, absolutely. Um, but it really was, I was kicked while I was down, yeah, and as someone who's always been really independent and confident, like, the lack of independence. I'm fired, I'm dumped, and I can't even drive to go get myself ice cream about it. (laughs) It was just, it was a moment of realization that, you know, I am a patient Mm -hmm. and I cannot control all of my surroundings. I cannot control all these external factors. And I'm going to have to work through this, Mm -hmm. Um, which is hard. And I had to write a paper for, undergrad, my final course, where they asked me to write about an educational experience I had that will better my career that was non-academic. And so as someone who's working in healthcare administration, and that was my major, and that's the graduate program that I've started as well, I wrote about being a patient and actually having to understand that side of things and having to see the shortcomings that we have in healthcare as well as like, just where we can make improvements. Um, so it was really, I'm thankful for the experience that I had. I'm thankful for what it's made me. And then I was able to find CCAP across the map, um, which is a nonprofit organization. The CCAP part stands for cervical cancer awareness and prevention. And it was founded by two women in Arizona. They founded it right out of high school. Um, and have continued the nonprofits. Now we've got a team of over 20 people. um, And I am the international initiatives lead. So I handle like all of our international initiatives that we're working with. Um, We've got a YouTube channel that's posting on an educational uh, platform. I've been able to work with the treasury committee on grant writing. I've been able to work with social media. I've learned so much um, and being able to collaborate with this team. Um, We've got a project in Ghana that I've had a lot of Um, effort going into the educational materials and getting that ready to go. Um, But they basically allow for educational materials and access to HPV vaccines in underserved populations. Um, They went to Jalisco, Mexico and actually were able to train Uh, 23 community health workers on how to perform pelvic exams in VIA and provide those materials for them as well as educational information. So being a company, being an organization that was just founded in 2017 and to be two high school graduates that started it and now it's spread, there's over 20 team members throughout the US and Mexico Mm -hmm. and it's just growing from here.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So I'm just So lucky to have found them and been able to work with them. It absolutely replaced my second job at the tanning salon. And (laughs) And it's that I can be so passionate about, like, as I bring that patient experience to it, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, if I had known, or if the education had been put out there. And if there's any changes we can make in 2020, the CDC changed their guidelines on pap smears. They do not recommend it annually anymore. Um, they changed it to every three to five years. Really? Imagine if I have waited three to five years, you yeah. know, like we have the capacity to do so much in healthcare and to catch so much early. We've come yes. so far that this is not a time to like put on the brakes and back up. Yeah, to back off. Yeah. It's it's yeah, not. Yeah,
0: science is like it's come along so, so far and and we have like all these abilities within yep. like technology, healthcare, what, whatever it is and and to kind of go in reverse is is head scratching to me. It is.
1: It um, is. So oh. That's one thing that I've been doing some research on personally. And another thing I've actually been personally researching, um, with is, uh, cancer related post-traumatic stress disorder,
0: okay.
1: which varies from your typical post-traumatic stress disorder. When you think about like military returning home and, um, like certain sounds and things that they hear will trigger, um, based on experiences they've had that are external factors, things, you know, coming at you and coming fast. Whereas for cancer patients, it's a term I like to call scan anxiety where, you know, you get ready to go in for a scan and that anxiety that you get. But, Mm -hmm. um, the fact that, you know, oh, I have a headache and you're like, oh my gosh, what is it? What is
0: it? Is it cancer? Is it brain cancer? All these things. Yeah,
1: exactly. You immediately. And so I'm doing a lot of research on that. Um, and CCAP across the map. I've kind of talked with them about that too, and that's something that we're putting resources into for our curriculum when we go into um, schools and when we go into like other countries where we're teaching people. It's that um, mental health portion that really comes with the physical health portion. And you have to focus on both. Yeah. Um, so I really wanted to make an impact with cervical cancer awareness, besides just posting a teal and white ribbon on my Instagram story. Like I really wanted to do something. So when I found CCAP across the map, it just like, it was life-changing. One of my favorite projects we've been able to work on and really see a return has been uh, PAPS for POC. So POC stands for people of color. And based Mm -hmm. on research that was done, it shows that women of color are more likely to die from cervical cancer. So we've got an IRB study going with Mayo Clinic and they also in Phoenix, Arizona have launched PAPS for POC already. And we're planning on making it national where um, it's free PAP smears for uninsured women of color. And they can even, if need be, heaven forbid, um, get the leak procedures for no cost as well if there are bad cells that need to be eradicated. So that's a program where we can really see it making a difference in the community right away. And that's something that we wanna take nationally. and it's just been incredible to watch and just be part of I'm not obviously in Phoenix and you know there's a lot that we have to do at a distance because of COVID but Mm -hmm. it's really just awesome just so awesome to be part of
0: I was about to say like incredibly rewarding and like to actually see a physical tangible um effect of it and, and, and yep. the work that you do and the work that CPAP does to be able or CCAP, sorry, CCAP does to, C-cap. to make, <laughs> to make these times like CPAP, that's not right. And we're talking about pop smears. Oh my gosh. Right. But yeah. What, what CCAP does. And, um, I, I just find that so interesting. And, um, I had an interview, I think it was last year and, um, she, she's a woman of color, uh, breast cancer, but she, I mean, it was two years ago, but she, she talked about the disparages and, yes. of healthcare, of, of women of color in healthcare, especially women of color, not just people of color, but, um, and then I actually saw a commercial recently about, um, women of color in healthcare and like kind of bringing more awareness to it because there is a, a huge gap for, for women and, and especially women of color getting diagnosed with the things they need to get diagnosed because there's this preconceived notion that women have like no pain tolerance and complain uh-huh. a lot. Unfortunately, yes. it's the opposite. <laughs> right. So things come, go undiagnosed or especially if there's no insurance and, you know, like you tend to skip doctor's appointments if you don't have insurance, cause you don't want to pay out the wazoo of it. So I right. think that's an incredible initiative and program to have. And that's going to make a huge difference like right away. Like that's amazing.
1: Right. And I yeah. mean, especially like people like, myself, even before I got into CCAP across the map, I, it was 2021. I was like, there can't be this many disparities really here. Yeah. And there really is. There's so many disparities. And then you even look at like urban versus rural. Cause I was even talking, I'm so lucky I'm here in, in the city. city. I yeah. don't have to drive three hours for an oncologist. Mm-hmm. You know, there really are a lot of just There's a lot of disparities that we're working to change and awareness and education is a lot of that. Um, So we're super excited to get started on all of that, but I just can't, I cannot explain and express how grateful I am to be part of CCAP across the map and being able to actually give back and turn my experiences into my passion and my passion into something that matters. Absolutely. And, and for you to be able to pay it forward and,
0: and, like you were saying uh, earlier in, in the forum when we, we were chatting about this interview and like how you talked about how so important it was to be your own advocate and to help be able to promote uh, more information and education with cervical cancer and like how important that is to you. And I, I think for you to take your experience and to pass it on and pay it forward to help other women, I think, I think is huge because you could have just like, okay, you know, cancer-free now in remission and, and I'm going to move on with my life, but you're, you're taking this and it's, it's really important and it's touched you and you want to be able to help other people. And I think that's a huge thing for, for anybody to do. And I I commend you for, for doing that. That's amazing. Thank you.
1: Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm so beyond grateful for the experience and the support Mm -hmm. and just like, I've found by people like that have the same passion that no, like, you know, cervical cancer is the number four killer of people with cervixes worldwide. Like that should not be happening. Mm -mm. It really shouldn't. So we're learning. I mean, there's so many disparities that we're just, we're here to work on and we just, we just want to make the world a better place. And we just Mm want to eradicate cervical cancer, you know, (laughs) I think Yeah. I think
0: gynecological cancers are terrifying just because how you're saying, like they go so long without being diagnosed because A, they can be slower growing or X, Y, or Z or all these things. And by the time it gets found, it can be a death sentence. And I think that we're, especially in the U S like our society is so advanced. This, this should not be an issue. This should not be a thing. Absolutely.
1: And um, And I felt I felt that way. And it really, as I was anxious about the doctor, you know, I would Mm -hmm. always have to take medicine before I would go in for my pap smears. And Mm -hmm. one thing that I would always say to my OBGYN, and I think is a no brainer nitrous. How hard would it be for them to hook up nitrous? The dentist does it. Why not? The dentist does it. (laughs) No problem. And even if the dentist charges like 50, 80 bucks, like imagine like sexual assault victims, like the, um, Oh my God. Like how much that could do for them. Like Mm -hmm. just to have that nitrous there or something there to help them get through those appointments. Like I just, I think it could be so much better. And especially, like I said, with those biopsies, they aren't numbing you for those. They aren't putting you to sleep for those. I mean, a little bit, a little bit of nitrous would go a long way. Yeah. Um. But I just think it's so important to advocate for yourself and for your body. And honestly, I didn't think that this would be an important message, but just because you cannot have children does not change your worth or your value at all. Um, and that's something that I've had to, I never would have thought that that would bother me. And it doesn't bother me. I feel like it bothers others. Um, the fact that, you know, with my boyfriend and with stuff like that, I'm like, oh, like, you know, no uterus, no value. Like, that. that's just... It's ridiculous, at all.
0: it is that is ridiculous
1: it is, and my my one of my best friends, she's great, but she actually made me a t-shirt after surgery that said i've got ninety nine problems, but a uterus ain't one. <laughs> and he was good. Love it. that's great. <laughs> and like we, we tried to make it fun, like if you look up a lot of stuff like on Pinterest about prepping for a hysterectomy, the things that comes up are uh, funerals that you throw for your uterus, like you and your girlfriends awesome. and like it's so funny. And, <laughs> Like we didn't obviously have the time to do it, but yeah. I just, I think it's hilarious. And there was just so many acts of kindness that I got to experience to like, you know, I didn't have a good time in the hospital at all, but like one of my mom's friends who lives in Texas sent us dinner at the hospital that night. Like yeah. there's so many kind things that people could do. My grandparents lived three hours away and they drove to Lexington, Kentucky, picked up my favorite pizza, had it only halfway cooked. So they could bring it all the way to my parents' house, put it in the oven, finish cooking it so I could have fresh pizza for dinner. Oh. I mean, just like the love and kindness that was shown. I just, I <laughs> there were so many frustrating situations. There were so many situations that was hard that I felt like I wasn't being heard and that I wasn't being valued. And then complimenting that would be something like some act of kindness like that. And it's just been it's been a journey it's been a roller coaster but i'm going to advocate forever because somebody needs to absolutely
0: <laughs> and and going with that kindness thing and sometimes it just takes a small a small effort. It doesn't have to be this huge, uh, grand gesture. Like the the pizza thing, that's awesome. Like it's little things you're just like, Oh, my favorite pizza. And it's fresh and warm from the oven. Like that's awesome. Like that's all you need just to make your, your day better. (laughs) It's how thoughtful, like just to
1: put that effort into it. Like it's just, They're just so great, and I was able to come back to work. And like I said, I could not wait to get back to work, just because we're in such an empowering environment. And I had had I I've been kicked a few times while I was (laughs) there, yeah. And I could not wait to get back to work and just be around this team of incredible women who Mm -hmm. just care about each other. And we're all in totally different, you know, walks of life and totally different paths. But I mean, just the support that we have for each other is amazing. It's amazing. And we get to be in that medical environment and we get to provide that environment to patients, the environment that everyone deserves. Yeah. So that's something that we've really just been working towards, but I got to go back and then I had a birthday and I was just ready to get my life back on track. I got into grad school and just, you know, that's great. I'm ready to take on the world
0: now. <laughs> life, life is on track and you, yeah, exactly. You're, you're changing the world. And I think that's amazing that you work with such great and inspiring women. Um, I think, I think I'm seeing more and more, I would say uh, like a movement of women building each other up and supporting each other. And it's, it's definitely due. And I think that's, yeah. that's fantastic to hear. Uh, you can be in a different, completely different part of your life and age where you're at, grandmother, mother, fresh out of college, whatever, what have you that you can all like band together and support each other and build each other up. And that Absolutely. right there is a perfect, perfect take home message for anybody out there listening, especially for the females out there. Um, I do you have a question since you're you're so young? Mm-hmm. Um, I had another young woman on, I believe it was, was it cervical cancer? She also, it was ovarian, she, but she did have a a, a hysterectomy and mm-hmm. she's, I think, even younger than you. Um, how was obviously your, your, your cervix and your uterus now was starting to try to kill you. So of course, get rid yeah. of it, get it out of there. <laughs> right. um, no, no doubt. There's no question that's happening, but I, I guess being so young and having that decision ultimately made for you, how was that? And how, I, I, how did it affect you? How did you cope, I guess, with it, um,
1: or work through it, uh, for having that to decision. Be honest, my, it didn't necessarily feel like the decision was made for me, um, that I was not at a place in my life where I was even remotely thinking. And like I said, I had had that long-term boyfriend, but like yeah. marriage and kids, like I, my goals were graduate school and academics and like, you know, I want to build a nice, big, beautiful house one day. And I want to like do all these things and I want to change the world and I want to go and do all these mission trips. And like, that was always more of the goal for me. Mm Um, And honestly, like when they went in and did all these things, like kids were never really going to be an option for me anyway. I had never really ovulated. I never really developed the eggs that I should have had. Like I never really had a cycle or anything like that. I wasn't part of the plan anyway. Okay. Right. Right. And it's not, you know, I have a nephew who is absolutely the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And. I just love him. But, you know, it's almost that situation where you meet a kid as great as that. And you're like, well, I can't have a kid. My kid would (laughs) never compare. That's not fair. (laughs) And He's he's the best. He is the best. And just so much joy. But, you know, I've got, you know, I'm with CCAP um, across the map all the time. All the time. I'm always connected with them. I'm always doing things. I also work full time. I'm a full time graduate student. I'm a homeowner, like I've got a lot happening. Um so I would be so far from the point point. and even if I did choose to adopt one day, that's a very long way down the road for me. That's I, it. I'd like to be COO of U of L Health in about 6 years, so you know.
0: <laughs> wow, that's a great goal. Yeah. And 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 with where your goals are and where they seem, they really seem to be aligning and, and you're hitting the mark and, and literally changing the world. Um, and I, I think, I think that's amazing. I know, um, you know, so, some women that's not in the cards. some women don't want to have children. Like it, it doesn't matter like what your goals are, what, what your wants are. Um, I, I think that's, it, I I just still imagine it, it would be tough just to be like, okay, so things about my life are changing, but y- you have, have gone with it and rolled with it. And I think that's admirable. And that's a scary thing to have to do. And especially at a younger age. And I think for you to, to do it is yeah, incredible. Think,
1: honestly, <laughs> Changing. Like I, I mean, I spent time when it was happening. I texted mm-hmm. a few of my girlfriends and I was like, all right. We are on a mission to find the cutest one piece swimsuits ever. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I said, and I think it's time to retire my belly button ring. You can't have hysterectomy scars and a belly button ring. That's not cute. (laughs) Um, And the scars have healed beautifully. Like they've gone away so so fast. And, you know, I'm not even self conscious about them at all. Like, I mean, it's, you know, the fact that. I'm still here. Yeah. It's it, a bad for sure. Yeah. But that was just the frustration with those doctors is like, you know, why is the potential children that may happen for me? Why do they have more of a value than I do as a person who is here?
0: Yeah. Um, and, you know, to save
1: my own life. Right. If I'm not
0: around to have babies.
1: Yeah. And, I also, <laughs> and you know, each every every person needs to make their own decision on what's best for them and there are people who probably really really want to have children and that would be a hard decision yeah. but for me i looked at it as okay it'd be really really selfish to want children so badly that i put off this surgery and then don't live to raise the kids i brought into this world
0: Thousand you know percent. to put
1: that on my parents or to put that on my sisters or to put that you know just to bring kids into the world and then not live to raise them, I just think could be really awful. That's That's a trauma that they'll have to come to terms with when, you know, I could have, and there's, like I said, there's a need out there. There are so many kids out there who are in need and there is, you know, adoption is such an incredible thing. You know, there's, my dad was adopted. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a brother who was adopted, like, you know, adoption has never been anything that wasn't on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm still way too far away from even thinking about that. There's just a lot, a lot happening for yeah, me. You're doing right. you. Oh. I'm really, gonna be so. selfish. Good for
0: you. Yes. Please do. <laughs> yeah, you
1: you're only do 26 that. <laughs> I was about to say, like
0: you're you're still you're still very young. You're in your 20s. Have fun. Accomplish your goals. Do you like now is the time to do it because like it. Uh, Yes. That's down the road. (laughs) Absolutely. This is kind of a perfect time to ask for you've, you've given advice throughout. Uh, Do you have any any advice out there for the listeners as a cancer survivor or as a patient or as somebody who works in healthcare or
1: with CCAP? Um, Do you have any advice out there for them? My advice, um, if there is something you're passionate about, find a group that shares the same passion as you. Um, if something doesn't feel right, get it looked at, uh, do not ever. And I know this is hard, especially for people who are parents, you know, you put your kids first, you put things first, you put yourself on the back burner, but your health is super important. Um, just take care of yourself uh, so that you can take care of others. Um, and I mean, really just be open with your story. At first, I didn't share a whole lot that was going on just because I didn't really... I was frustrated and I was yeah. like, well, cause at first it was pre-cancer and then it was, oh, it's cancer. And then, well, there's also some pre-cancer and it's like, I don't even know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it was hard for me to understand. It was hard for me to explain. And with COVID going on and there were, there were people dying of a virus. Like I didn't want to be like, well, everybody needs to go get a pap smear when, you know, the doctor's offices are closing and yeah. things like that. So just. Don't listen to the CDC. Get a passenger up here. <laughs> you can cut
0: that out. Don't, no, to no, no. It's okay. I was like, CDC is having a hard enough time with uh, their protocols <laughs> for COVID time right now. <laughs> All the memes right now are so funny. Like it's the
1: cracking me up. <laughs> the I know they're like, according to the CDC, an ice coffee and 800 milligrams of ibuprofen is now a balanced breakfast.
0: <laughs> like, I love it. <laughs> oh, they're love- the best. Oh my god, it makes me so happy. But yeah, Did so. I just think-
1: People need to take care of themselves um, and be their own advocate. If you're not feeling heard, go somewhere that you are heard. Um, and, you know, I like to say, you know, I'm in this city, I could just go to another doctor. But even if you don't have that option, it's okay to go outside of your comfort zone to find a doctor. It's okay to get advice from other patients. There are groups out there, there are support groups out there, oh, yes. um, and you should absolutely check it out and get connected. You, don't, you never have to go through anything alone.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And now even it's kind of a blessing, a silver lining with, with COVID and everything like that. Telehealth is a huge thing. And you don't necessarily have to drive four hours to the city to go meet a doctor. You can get a consultation online and and know your options. And you don't necessarily have to have one doctor tell you what to do just based on your age and any other status. Um, They're not an expert on you. You are an expert on you for sure. And you exercised that and (laughs) Not everybody's brave enough to do that. So thank you for doing that. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, So how can people find you to learn more about you, your story, also CCAP across the map and how, how can they get involved? How can they donate?
1: So CCAP across the map, um, we're on Instagram. Uh, we're on LinkedIn. We're on TikTok now. We've got uh, Avelina. She's amazing. She's, um, reached a lot of people through cervical health education videos on TikTok. um, and she's. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, we're also on Facebook. We're on Amazon Smile. Um, so there are several ways you can donate to the CCAP across the map on social media and then um, CCAPGlobal.org and you can sign up for our newsletter. And then I'm also on Instagram as well. But definitely follow CCAB across the map. They're the ones really making a difference. Perfect.
0: Awesome. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining me for this very special episode, first episode of the new season, and um and also it's January, so it's cervical cancer awareness month. So thank you mm-hmm. for bringing more awareness to cervical cancer and educating us and 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 also for teaching the listeners to definitely be their own, own advocate and to
1: do their research. Absolutely. Thank you so much and uh, yeah. Yep. Everybody at cervical cancer or awareness month, as we say at CCAP across the map is hashtag save the cervix. So save
0: the cervix. Yes, <laughs> I love that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So uh, please feel free to reach out to CCAP across the map with questions. Um, also, if uh, I'll include everything within the episode notes, so you guys can just click through to find out more. And um, yeah, once again, Erin, thank you and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you.